We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? I'm back. It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, coming at you uh, on a on a Tuesday, a couple days after Christmas, recording this on Monday night. Got a fun pod for you. One of my favorite guests. He's kind enough to hop on as a regular nowadays. Um, because he's just a really nice guy and he loves talking sports. And that is, of course, former New York Met, um, along with several other teams. Mike Bassick covers uh, Dallas area sports, including New York's um, Tuesday night opponent, the Dallas Mavericks. Andrew Claudio, how you doing? I'm good, John. Uh, more important question to the listeners of this podcast. How are you doing? Oh, how are you I'm feeling? Fine. Yeah, I'm I'm okay. Thank you, I should say. That's what I should have started out by saying. Thank you to everybody who reached out via DM or email or any other method, um, carrier pigeon, to check in on how I was feeling. It was um it was it was a rough couple of days, but uh rebounded okay. I'm in one piece. It's more the the cumulative effect of like being sick after your kids have been sick for what I mean, it feels like my youngest daughter's been sick for three months, but like the older one, and then my wife got it pretty bad. Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was, it, it built up. But luckily, we were okay for the most part by Christmas Eve, uh, second half of Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day. Um, other than watching um, the Knicks uh, evaporate in the fourth quarter, it was, a, it was a pretty good Christmas Day as well. I was going to say is that at least you had some great Knicks basketball to watch the two times that they played while you were out of oh, commission, yeah. you know, both the Christmas day game and a lovely Friday evening uh, matchup against the Chicago bulls, which I ended up bringing you on the post game for briefly anyway, you know, which I'm still not over if I'm being perfectly honest. Yeah. It changed everything. It did change everything. It was funny. I'm doing, I'm st- Still finishing, putting the finishing touchers on the newsletter for um, for Tuesday, and I was going back and rewatching some of the some of the fourth quarter of the Philly game, which for reasons I, I can't fully explain, and then going back and watching some of the end of the the Bulls game, um, not the not the last minute of the Bulls game. I will never rewatch that again as long as mm-hmm. I live. But before that, um. Like the ending of that Bulls game would have been, it just would have been so poetic had some free throws gone down. Like Julius Randle with under two minutes to go or about two minutes to go um, drove baseline from the corner. Uh, Yeah. 145 to go. Drove baseline from the corner, got the and one, put the Knicks up three, came down, got a big defensive stop. Like that was it. That should have been it. That should have been the game. And then even after it wasn't the game, RJ has the bucket at the end. And it's like, it would have just, it would have, it would have made the Christmas game feel so much 
differently um, than it did. I mean, yes, fourth quarter meltdown. Yes, they gave up a million threes. Yes, some of the defensive concerns that were here in the beginning of the season have kind of reared their ugly head again. But like, we'd be okay. You know, we'd be okay. Nineteen and fifteen would would feel a little bit better than eighteen and sixteen. But it is what it is. You know, I said it on the pod uh, that or the interview you're about to hear with Mike. But last eleven games, even with three straight losses, and even with a defense that is uh, quite literally the worst defense in the league over those last three games, Knicks still have best net rating in the league over the last eleven. You know, I mean, it's just. It's things. That's all. It's things. Yeah. And that's that's really been the the statement or the the um overall sentiment that we've said, both Jeremy and I on Sunday and then on Friday. And I and we we will move on from the Bulls game to a, a three game road trip in Texas, but the entire perspective of the game against the Sixers is different if it's not their third straight loss. If it's just, it's a loss after a huge win on Friday night in which RJ had his best career game, then it's, it's whatever they happen. You're able to accept that they lost to a better team that had two of the best players in the league and at operating operating at the peak of their powers right now. Oh my God. So can we just pause for one second? You can understand it more, you know? So this, I'll, uh, I'll steal something from Tuesday's newsletter. Bingo. I got bingo, everybody. I, sorry, I'm joking with you. Go ahead. <laughs> Those who don't know, if you know, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. If you know, you know. Yeah. Um, hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll set this up. I'll try to set it up at least. Um, if I was to tell you that... Actually, no. Let me ask you. Who's your top 10 for MVP right now? Um, I cannot believe I'm saying this. Uh, it Jokic, doesn't be in order. Don't, not not a, no not, order. Okay. Not, yeah. No order. Jokic, Durant, Giannis. Hold on. Wait. Jokic, Durant, Durant Giannis, Giannis. Okay. Um. Tatum. Okay. Uh, I probably have to knock Steph at this point. So I, top ten. Top ten. Oh, okay. So Steph. Okay. Uh, Embiid. Yep. Donovan Mitchell. Interesting. Um, okay. At least you got to put Ja in there. Yeah. Okay. And then based off of performance, got to go Luca. Yep. And how many have I said so far? Booker. You're missing. Yeah. And you're missing one. I would say, oh, no, no, you got. Okay. So we have nine of the same top 10. Um, I have Zion would be my 10th. That would have been my 10th too. Put Zion in there. Instead of Donovan Mitchell for me. Oh, instead of Mitchell. Okay. But that's whatever. We have... Okay. Here's the point. The Knicks have played eight guys um, that are... We both agree are in the top 10 of MVP this season. Um, They played... Julius Randle would be my 10th, by the way. Of course he would. Mm -hmm. They played... They've played Embiid, Doncic, Booker, Curry, Durant, Tatum, and then Giannis twice and John Morant twice. That's 10 total times. Mm-hmm. They've now won a game against in those 10 matchups. They're 18 and six in the other 24 games that they've played. They're 0 and 10 against the very best players in the league. And it's funny to me that like we're enjoying the season or we're trying to enjoy the season. We go back and forth about enjoying the season, this, that, and the other thing, because we don't want to keep dwelling on the same fucking thing that we've been dwelling on for the last, I don't know how many years, uh, several years, three years, four years, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it's like you look at a stat like that and then you watch a game like we did on Sunday where it's like, Randall can't really play any better than that. Jalen Brunson can't really play any, offensively. Can't really play any better than that. Um, RJ Barrett did not have his best game, um, culminating in a fourth quarter. That oh boy, um, not 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 great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Uh, we, we could just we could just leave it at that. Um, but like, there's just a difference. There's just a difference between the top of the, the the cream of the crop and then like basically everything under the cream of the crop. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do we take from that? We take from it the same thing we've been always taking from it, which is that like the Knicks are going to need to get one of these guys at some point. And um, 
until then, it's about trying to do as well as they could do. It's funny. I hope I'm not betraying your confidence when I, I talk about this, but the pregame show group chat was active um, after the Sixers post game on, on Christmas Day. So yesterday. Oh, okay. Um, and we were, we were, set, we're, I mean, obviously our, our other, we have other KFS group chats that we were in just trying to be, because the George Niang quote, the uh, uh, clip yes. from his post game interview went around that he couldn't believe that they were in drop, which, um, well, finish what you're saying because I have a comment on that. So I was, I had said in the post game, um, in reaction to a comment that I didn't really have much energy for Tibbs because, like, the other team had James Harden and Joel Embiid. Um, they were up by one going into the fourth quarter against a title contender. Yep. If you want to give me like 10% that he didn't match Mitch Robinson and uh, Joel Embiid minutes exactly. So like I, Mitch got one of his fouls on yes on uh who's their backup Montrezl Harrell yeah and I I like I can nitpick that I I want quickly to play more than the twenty one minutes he's sure yeah playing like there's nit- little quibbles here there's and there always quibbles I didn't think that this was like a coaching loss and um we went into like other areas where I actually am more concerned at the moment and it kind of came out to the same thing that are there quibbles? Yes. Is the drop coverage hurting them when they play teams that aren't missing? Yes. It's not why they're, it's not why they're losing, I, you know, can I, um, regarding that? Cause I obviously saw the clip too. Mm-hmm. And then, so sure enough, I went back and I watched all four of the Yang's threes. None of them were dropped in terms of how we, th- well, like when we, th- like b- the way Benji talks about drop, when he wants to pull his hair out, when Julius is in again, quote unquote, drop coverage, it's when it's a high screen. And then Julius just isn't guarding anybody. He's just backing off so that the person coming around the screen with the ball can step into an open shot. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen on any of the Niang threes. It was all about putting two on the ball, with Harden and then trying to recover and the recovery either wasn't in time or there was another domino that fell. So the recovery had to have deflected attention elsewhere. It's like, I I mean, I, I'm not, I I understand what Yang is saying. It's like, I, you know, but I'm not sure he's not sure he's accurate um, in terms of drop. That wasn't drop coverage. So I would, I respectfully disagree. I thought they went under a certain amount of screens in that fourth quarter. It's not it, like you are right. Like they were putting two on the ball it's, a lot in that. Yeah, fourth it's quarter. about it's it about was paying what, attention to Harden. But that's the point: is that the reason you were open, George Yang, is not because the Knicks were in drop coverage. Is that a lot of attention was given to James Harden? Yeah, right. So con- they were conceding George Yang threes, well, which I would then counterpoint to Tibbs be like. That's a 42% career three-point shooter. You might want to switch a little more, especially when you're actually doing a decent job on Harden for most of the game. Well, it's, yeah, but... But again, the fourth quarter, Harden got into a mode that made I, the, the balance of you're containing him different. And look, not for nothing, I'm way more frustrated with Jalen Brunson's defensive, not effort, but abilities yeah, just right getting now. targeted. And the bench just... It, you're beating them with a very, very weak zone right now. They they don't have any shooting in that second unit, even with quickly playing better and with RJ playing better. It's just really tough to score points when Hartenstein, Sims, and Deuce are three fifths of the lineup. What that comes off the bench? You yeah, know? there are. Listen, the, nothing about the eighth game, the eight game winning streak changed the overall overarching opinion that this is a flawed team, and they're a flawed team in several respects. One of which is they don't. You know, with all due respect to Quentin Grimes, and I've sung Quentin Grimes' praises as much as anyone this season. Like, if your your best defender is a second year player who's six four, um, and it doesn't really have the defensive chops of like you know your your typical like all defense types of guys. One because again, he's still a young NBA player, at least by defensive terms. It takes you a few years to really get that level of defensive ability, um, as we've seen, but. Here's the thing. Like, you're probably about to make this same point. So I apologize for jumping in. No, jump in. Like, we don't care about that game if they beat Chicago. 
Like that, well, this goes back to that. It would have been annoying yes. that they lost and the Niang quote would have added fuel to a fire that's like been very low for the past yeah, three but it weeks. never goes out. Right. But like it did. Now there's three losses in a row. We're firing Tibbs again. And it's like if Jalen Brunson hits two free throws or Quentin Grimes hits two free throws or they each hit one, we're not. We, it's a two and two week. They're 10 and two in their last 12 games and they're going out to Texas. Like it's why the perspective is different now. And that's the frustrating part for me when it's like you get beat by a a former MVP, multi, multi, multi time, all NBA guy who clearly still has that in his bag when he wants to reach back and find it. And the coach played the percentages. Like I'd rather get beat by the ninth man who yes, is a 42% three point shooter. Then have James Harden go one on one against my guys when he's been, you know, doing doing some some pretty nice work throughout the the game. Like I could respect that decision. You could reasonable minds may differ, but like the notion that the Knicks were somehow falling back into some defensive scheme that had no chance of working, like that's where I, I kind of get annoyed with the conversation. As as I am with this, you know. Year after year, we we hear the same thing. The best teams are ones who are top 10 in defense and offense, right? Said pretty much every season. Okay. There's three teams who are in the top 10 in defense and offense. Celtics, Pelicans, Knicks. Yeah. Now, the Knicks are ninth in both. I get that. They're not elite at either, which is why they're going to at best be a six seed. I, I totally get that. But like... It's just it, it it the 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 conversation surrounding again, like you said, the three straight losses that it suddenly everything's going to shit is like the numbers don't bear that out. Given the expectations going into the season, the expectations should not have shifted that much. Um, I I I don't know. It's tiring to me. So you're saying people shouldn't like the, these random people that. May have may not have said something. Guy in place, got yes. One of the, I was actually referring to me in this bit, but no, the guy, the guy from places also shouldn't shouldn't say stuff. Um, so you're saying that um, certain people shouldn't go on podcasts and predict the Knicks will go 13 and five wow. over over the next 18 games. Uh, perhaps not. Perhaps to, I was a bit presumptuous to remind everybody. I was strictly referring to the all-star conversation and that if they were to go that in that stretch, then get a little greedy. Talk about Brunson and Randall making an all-star team. I I don't, I don't know if you saw the both Bleacher Report and NBA Math put out their different projections for who will be all-stars. And Bleacher I didn't Report, see this. So Bleacher see Report this. has Brunson making the all-star team. And uh, uh, NBA math has Randall making it. So I could see either. I could see neither. I'm not sure I see both. Again, it would have to take not predicting, not saying it'll happen. It would have to take the Knicks getting really hot. And it's like you reward a team that has suddenly overachieved to be a three seed in a very stacked top of the Eastern. Like, Brooklyn's now going to get two all-stars. We just start get, getting used to that reality. Yeah. That Katie and Kyrie is going to get two all-stars. As, as our 13 and one Philly's probably Philly. going to get, Philly's as probably going to get two all-stars. It's what we, the conversation we had on Patreon a month ago, that if Harden comes back and if Kyrie plays games, those two will find themselves in the all-star conversation. And Mil- Milwaukee, if Milwaukee has the best record in the league, Milwaukee is going to get two all-stars. Maybe, maybe. I, I, what, I, that's a fun one for us to look up. When's the last time a team had the best record in the league at the All-Star break and didn't get two All-Stars? That's a good question. I can't imagine it's happened very often. Unless there's some sort well, of anomaly. So here's the thing. You're what? not going to like it. They're going to take Brooke Lopez. Uh, but that's fine. Uh, okay. Brooke then, Lopez has been awesome. I know. You're the one that doesn't like low usage guys making the All-Star game. I don't that's love why- it, but... I, I I'd be okay if it's Brooke Lopez and Giannis though. Those are their. He's also players. he's also foundational to what they do on the defensive end, and and he's foundational to what they do at the offensive end too because he he spaces the floor. So fifty mm-hmm. four. I get that close to ninety this year. So it's two for Milwaukee. Obviously, Boston's getting two, and uh, Cleveland Cleveland's a funny one. Cleveland, I Cleveland 
funny enough, I could actually see Cleveland going from two to one. Um, and I could just see a bunch of those guys canceling each other out, but I, I whatever the, the, I, I, the point remains, I could, I struggle to see the Knicks getting to, um, I I'd sign for one. And, uh, I think that would be pretty cool, but we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's, they need to write the ship, you know? And I think for as frustrating as the end of the bulls game was, and for as frustrating as the fourth quarter against Philly was, um, if they go into Dallas and they beat Dallas, yes, I know Dallas is missing Kleber, they're going to be missing Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, they may be missing the great Frank Nilakina. Um, Potentially the great Kemba Walker. Potentially well. the great, I was about to say, potentially the great Ke- No, hold on. There's one other actual helpful player. Oh, Josh Green. Josh Green's out. Mm-hmm. That um, actually is really big. That, yeah, no, Josh Green's really yeah. good for them. Uh, even with those guys down, uh, it would be a, a nice thing for the Knicks to go into Dallas and and get a win. And hey, for all the for all the talk about the Knicks home woes, <laughs> they won six straight on the road. They've won, and they're they're ten and six on the road this mm-hmm. season. And they have. Um, it's funny they're scoring less on the road, but their defense is a lot better also on the road. It's like they're they're at, their net rating at home versus the road is almost identical. It's just they're it's distributed differently. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Anything else before we get to Mike? No, I think that's it. Did you? No, I haven't. We're recording this before I've even had a chance to listen or edit this because I was out with family for my version of Christmas today. Um, did you mention to him what I asked you yes. to mention to him? Okay, I started so that comes at, up at the top of the pod. I don't want to say anything else. Okay, well then I will co-sign it, and you know, and enjoy enjoy your your new toy, Mike Bassick. That I will leave it at that. I will just tell the uh, listeners to stay till the end of the pod um, because uh, Mike ends with a story about how he he found out a certain piece of news about a certain baseball player going to play from a New York team to uh, a team in Texas. He was actually in New York. Yeah, the news he came here to see the the that was a yes. weekend. That was because the, the day before the day before the um. Knicks Mavericks game that almost got everybody fired was yeah. the day that a certain baseball player went to go from living in New York to living in Texas. Yep. That was quite the weekend for your boy. And, you know, as long as the physical turns out correctly, I am perfectly fine enjoying everybody else that the baseball team in New York decided to bring in. So. Say that again. Uh, all right. Enough from us. Uh, here is, uh, thank you, Andrew. And thank you for filling in for me admirably. Of course. On many occasions over the last couple of days. Yes, of course. Don't get get well soon. On the on the fourth day you rose again. Let's let's keep it keep it that way. <laughs> That's a different <laughs> holiday. That's Easter. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
What's going on, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about WinBet, the official sports book of Knicks Film School. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. Ready to win money and boost your odds? We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards. Get in on all your teams, players, and sports from the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, MMA, golf, the W, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download the WinBet app now or go to winbet.com to start winning. That's bet 100, win 100 at www.wynnbet.com. Download, bet, win. It's that simple. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast. He's not even a returning guest. He's a friend of the pod at this point. Um, Andrew Claudio is not joining us in the background for this one, but I want to make sure I get this out up top. Um, Mike Bassick, Andrew Claudio says, enjoy Jacob DeGrom. The Mets will enjoy everybody else. I understand. Um, if he's healthy, he's great. But I mean, even here, we're doing like, hey, over under 20 starts, over under 120 mm. innings. Like, it's like, man, you could be paying two. We're expecting about $2 million to start. We hope it's better than that, but it'll be fun <laughs> when he, when he does pitch, it will be fun. Oh, I mean, I think that's an understatement. Uh, when he pitches, when he pitches, you guys will, you guys will have a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so listen, we got, uh, as I'm sure you've been talking about on one Oh five, three, the fan, um, where you of course, uh, do some outstanding work talking about all Dallas sports, but, uh, the Mavericks are what we're going to talk about today. Um, we got round two uh, of this year's Knicks uh, Mavs go around. It seems like these teams always play good, um, fun games. Uh, that was the case for one half of basketball the last time they played. And then you didn't like the third quarter. You know, oddly enough, Mike, I did not care for it. <laughs> <laughs> you so I, I, let's start there. You, um, I hope you don't mind me saying you were visiting yeah. uh, with your family in New York yeah. for the time, and um, you know, enjoying the sights and sounds of the city. How was it like to be in the the garden for those uh, those fireworks? Man, it was awesome because at one point, just because you're talking about the first half, my 14 year old son looks at me and goes, "We're 10 for 40 from the field," and talking about my Dallas Mavericks, our Dallas Mavericks, and it's like, yeah, we're horrible. And I'm just thinking, is it best to just tank and just take a 5% chance at getting uh, Victor? I always say his last name wrong, but Wib and Wamba. That's close enough. Women, yeah. Yeah, Wib and Wamba. Um, but oh, I'm yeah. like, this is just horrible. And then the third quarter happened where the Mavs couldn't miss. In fact, they just did that again on Christmas in the third quarter. So I, it was fun because afterwards, not that day, I was in New York and we just had a blast. We loved New York during Christmas time. And thank you for some recommendations. It was great. Um, but later, uh, a few days later, I checked out your post-game show and it was all about firing the head coach. And then you guys went on an eight-game winning streak. Yes. There, <laughs> there, there was some of that in the air. That You know, it, it's funny. Um, well, this is really what I wanted to ask you because I think it was relevant to that time and it's less relevant now, but now after the winning eight in a row, the Knicks have lost three straight and there's again, some consternation. We hear from pro athletes that are in the midst of either very low lows or very high highs that like speaking to us, they're like, well, you guys, the fans think it's these huge highs and huge uh, and huge lows to us. It's more like it's the next game. It's business. Is that true? Or are they full of it? It's somewhat true. Obviously an NBA season's half of an MLB season, but when you are losing pretty regularly for, let's say a two week stretch for the NBA, that would be like, let's say a five or six game losing streak. Sure. It gets old because you're, you start getting used to, I'll just talk about the baseball field. You start getting used to sitting in the dugout, the game being over, going in the clubhouse, showering, eating, answering questions and going home. And you're like, man, like when was the last time we high-fived after a game on mm -hmm. the field? And so you start doing that. And then the thing is, if you do that for, let's just say two weeks, 
and you high five 10 out of 11 times because you're on a 10, 10 game winning streak or you've won 10 out of 11, it feels like you're not going to lose. So you get into late game gotcha. situations and you're close. As long as it's close, you're like, we're going to figure this out. We're going to get a base runner on base. We're going to get a big hit. The other team's going to make the mistake that we're going to take advantage of. So yes and no. So I think it's a great question. It is more even kill than a fan. Some people are like, how did you ever pitch? And I'm like, well, guess what? I didn't pitch like the way I fan. You know, like, I mean, I did That's get mad call. at myself, but as a fan, I can be more emotional as a pitcher. Yes, there's emotions going in inside me, but I got to take all that emotion and put it into the next four days to get myself ready for the next game. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And it does answer the question. And, it, it, you know, like when you consider this, I'm looking at this next season and I'm also looking at this Mav season and we, we talk offline a, a lot and. There seems to be all these highs and all these lows. And yet we sit here and both teams are 18 and 16, right? And it's like, maybe you, are you guys maybe playing a little under expectations? I I think we're still playing a little bit above expectations despite three losses in a row. But like, does it feel about where you, where you thought they would be? I thought they would be a better team, but maybe I was way too hopeful about Christian Wood. Not that I dislike Christian Wood. Jason Kidd does like dislike Christian Wood. He's seems like he's, it. He's not a big fan of his. It's weird. We've kind of talked about what's the connection here between Cuban, Nico Harrison, and Jason Kidd because in the off season they did three moves. Not losing Jalen Brunson, but three moves. They brought in Christian Wood for nothing and, and a first round pick. They go and they get JaVale McGee and they draft Jaden Hardy. They trade for Jaden Hardy out of the G League, high second round pick. And it's like Jason Kidd dislikes all of those players. And we're like, shouldn't you maybe check with the head coach if he's not really a fan of these guys? I think he was a fan of McGee because he was with the Lakers team that won the championship. He was an assistant yeah. coach on, but four games into the season, he's like, you're done, man. And, and literally McGee could care less to be on the Dallas Mavericks, which really stinks. Christian Wood, because he's not a good defensive player and screws up defensive rotations left and right, which, okay, he's still way more talented than yeah. Dwight Powell, way more talented than Maxi Kleba, way more talented than, let's say, JaVale McGee. Those are kind of the big guys. So it's like, I get it. Why do you put him in the doghouse for doing things yep. wrong? But like Dwight Powell's in the right spot. It doesn't matter. He still didn't get the rebound. He's in the right spot. He still didn't make the shot. At least that guy could be in the wrong spot and still make something positive happen. So it's been frustrating because I thought Christian Wood would have a bigger impact. Um, but really the biggest impact, and you can see it in the numbers, and you can look at it as a positive way. I look at it in a negative way. Losing Jalen Brunson has put everything on Luka. And so, yes, he's putting up his best numbers ever. And you could say, hey, he's the MVP. But I mean, he literally has to do everything now. And it's just so tough. And the Mavericks miss Jalen Brunson, especially that second half Jalen Brunson that we saw last year yeah. so much. Well, give me, I'll, I won't vamp too long about Jalen um, because I've been doing it all season. Uh, listeners of the show uh, obviously know that I think if the Knicks do get an all star representative, um, for as much as Julius Randle has been playing out of his mind on the offensive end, and, and RJ Barrett had a very nice game the other night and he's been on a nice stretch, I think it has to be Brunson. I think, you know, you, we talked about it, but there are things I think about him that, for as good as the, the numbers are, that are just not quantifiable in numbers. The the impact he has had, I, I really I genuinely believe he has had an impact on the locker room. That is part of why they, because the vibes here were just not good last season right. and the vibes are really good now. And like for you guys, I think, is it more, I think it's more on the court though for you guys or, or am I wrong? Is, is Do you think you're missing some of that off court stuff too? Well, yes and no. Uh, I think Jalen Brunson coming from Villanova, being on obviously a, a winning situation. I'll be honest, that that Dallas Maverick game for you last year where the Mavs came to Madison Square Garden and you guys just looked totally lost in the third quarter and didn't show any fight the rest of that game. I think without Jalen Brunson, and I love Julius Randle, you know, I love Julius Randle, but I think if you're Julius Randle led or you're RJ Barrett, 22, 23 year old led. Yeah you might start losing more and more and the whole Thibodeau getting fired yeah. might really happen. I sure. do think without following the Knicks super closely, I do think Jalen Brunson is a great guy to have in those situations where you have like a letdown game or a letdown week where Jalen, I think is a very 
tough, positive, steady guy in yeah. your club or in your locker room. Sometimes yeah. I say clubhouse because of baseball, but um, one does the other. So I do think the Mavs miss some of that, but really what they really miss is another ball handler, creator, score. Uh, they're just very limited. I know you're probably doing your post game the other day after the Christmas Day game when the Mavs were playing, but there are multiple times where who Hubie Brown or whether it was at halftime, Will Bond and Jalen Rose are like, look, like you got to get Lucas some more help after losing Jalen Brunson and really adding not much in the offseason. He's just asked to do everything. Well, I was going through it today and um it's man, the, the NBA is so predictable in, in some ways. Like the Knicks have had a nice season, right? We're 18 and 16. I'm looking at it, even with three straight losses since we played you guys, we still have the best net rating in the league um over those 11 games. You guys are down in the the low to mid teens. So, like on paper, if you go by that, right? The Knicks should come out on top. And yet the Knicks have played um by my count. 10 of like the legitimate MVP candidates this season, one of which is Luca. Guess how many of those games they've won, Mike? It's a nice round three. number. No, that, that would be zero. Oh, They're o- yeah, yeah. They're 0 for 10. Um, the closest thing to an MVP candidate they've beaten is Donovan Mitchell. They 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 won one game against the, the Cavs. I mean, and to me, he's on the periphery of the, the race looking inside. You want to beat the Mavs, just sit out all your good players. Somehow the Mavs lose every game that <laughs> the other team decides that the other guys can't play. But that's like that's the isn't that the crazy part though about the league and like where you guys are and where we got where we are because i find it so fascinating here the knicks are they've played well i mean i don't think you can deny that they've played well of late and yet we go up on christmas day against that monster joel Embiid and james harden who looked kind of like prime prime james harden to me you know the refs always help him out but neither in or there and it's like great this is all fun and games what we're doing if a star's not here it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And here there are you guys where it's like, okay, we have the literally the toughest thing to get. We have not only an engine, maybe the best. I, I, I'm a big Luca fan. You, you know, I'm a big Luca fan. And yet it feels like listening to you, your plight is every bit as bad as ours because you're, you know, when you have one of those guys, it feels like the clock is always ticking. Do you guys in Dallas, are you starting to get any of, of that like clock ticking sense? A little bit. I don't know if you, you know, read Tim McMahon at all. He writes for, I do. And he kind of wrote an article, I don't know, let's say a month or two ago. And he kind of said, look, the Mavs have kind of two years to get this right. Like Luke is not going to, there's he just signed the extension. He's in his fifth year. It's kind of like fifth, sixth, seventh year. Everybody stays. It's kind of that seventh, eighth year where an Anthony Davis or somebody like that starts complaining about their situation or demanding out of a situation. And so I think if the Mavs, let's just say losing the first round this year and do it again the next year, I think then you start hearing the Luca just can't get it done in Dallas because there's just not enough help. And that's when it starts happening. So I think we have this year and two more years of Luca. Before, if Mark Cuban doesn't start doing better, and that's the thing about here is what we don't know is Mark Cuban might be way more Jerry Jones than what people give Jerry Jones credit or discredit for. Jerry's so old, he doesn't even know the players on the Cowboys. He can't name them. Is that true? 100%. We interview him every week. The other day when we were talking about Odell Beckham Jr., he's like, well, he could go with, you know, uh, Wilson and Ram. And we're like, oh, crap. Wilson is not on the team anymore. He signed a free agent contract with, I believe, uh, Miami. And then Ram is CD Lamb. And he's just, he's like, crap. Like, it's just stuff like that where you're like, he's not really doing much. But Mark Cuban, this is where I don't know if Nico Harrison is actually the general manager or if he like has a big say in it, but Mark Cuban does everything. And so where we're at now with Luca is we're just so depleted in talent around him. You'd rather have, I will say this, Jonathan, and you can, you can say yes or no. I I already know what you're going to say. I'm going to say yes, but say what I would rather have the Maverick situation where you have the superstar and you have to find four better players around him than have eight players you like, but you got to find somebody that's considered a top 10 player in the league. It's for me, it's not even about that. For me, the thing with Luca. 
I have this debate with Andrew oftentimes when we do our our Patreon pod about about the league at large. It, to to him, me putting Luca over Giannis is ridiculous as like the guy that I most want to build around, like my number one. You know, Tatum probably I guess should be in that discussion at this point too. And you know, God knows I'm disrespecting guys like Jokic and and maybe even Embiid. Whatever. There's a lot of guys. Luca's always been my guy because for him, I think he's the eat like. You don't have to worry about fitting pieces around Luca. Just put any talented basketball. Ideally, it's shooting, right? You want to fit around him with shooting, but that's any team. Like any team, you need to surround your star with shooting. It doesn't matter what. So I think he is arguably the easiest guy to build around. I think he's the biggest matchup advantage, singular, like single player matchup advantage. I, I'm going to be fascinated to see after you guys give this pickup, because I don't think it's going to land in the top 10 um, to, to the Knicks. And then you're going to be able to put all of the picks on the table. It's four first, three swaps. I don't know who's going to be available for that, but you have to figure at least you have that right option. You have the, you could give the full basket to whoever right. it is. And, but where does that get you? I don't know. Cause like you said, there's no like hot young player on the, like it's Josh green and. Yeah. Know, really it, right. There's not much, you know, there's just not much that the Mavs have that the NBA wants. And I think Nico Harrison slash Mark Cuban ran into that issue in the offseason after losing Jalen Brunson. I was told by multiple people connected with the Mavs said they know they can't go into the season with just Luka and Dinwiddie as ball handlers. They know they need another one and they're going to get another one, Mike. And then you got to the season and they didn't get one. And from what I heard is, they had some things lined up that they thought could happen and they all fell through. I don't know exactly why they fell through, you know, but I'm going to guess some of it is, is they thought somebody will want Dwight Powell's expiring contract. Somebody will want a Reggie Bullock and a Tim Hardaway Jr. type of deal to get this ball handler off their team to get some shooters or wing guys on their team. And it never came about. And so I think the Mavs are in a situation where, they need another all-star player, uh, I think, at least borderline all-star player. Um, but at the same time, here's what I worry about Luka. I don't know this. I think he's amazing. You see him in international ball, beat all the best players and stuff like that. But is he playing enough NBA games? This is his fifth season where he hasn't really had another guy with him. And Brunson was a late bloomer. I know he came out after four years of Villanova, but his first three years, he was just like a nice role player off of the bench. And last sure. year, he started really accelerating his growth is if you get another guy who kind of likes having the ball, let's say. Yes. Let's just say Zach Levine, because he's kind of maybe going to get moved because he likes wanting the ball too much. Yep. Well, has Luca played in 200 or 300 something games where he's like, I don't really know how to share the ball as well in the NBA because I've done this so many times this way that I don't want to maybe be off the ball. I don't know that. And, and I think to that end, the LeBron AD blueprint from a couple of years ago, say what you want, Mickey Mouse championship, this and that, but that, that was pretty good blueprint as far as a, a, you know, a big, a big engine, like in terms of LeBron Luca, and then a guy who is a multifaceted player can do a lot of different things, but he's also, you know, he could finish plays around a guy like LeBron and Luca. I don't know where that guy is for you. Um, you gave me a natural lead up to my, my last question for you. You've had um, a couple dips in the old uh, Kemba Walker pool. Uh, what's your what's your experience like with uh, Mr. Walker, who speaking of Tim McMahon, just tweeted out a little while ago that uh, after playing how many minutes did kid play him? Yeah, the 40 in Cleveland. He needed everybody sat out because they played back to back. And he's yeah. like, and, and Kimball was doing great. Kimball well, looked like 2018 Kimball Walker. And then he's, and then after the game was over, he's like, yeah, guess what? My knee hurts. Yeah, there's a shocker. And look, we, we were there. Last year we had, we had that we had Eastern conference play of the week, Kevin Walker. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. You're, I'm hoping you guys aren't counting on Kemba from here on in. You're well, I don't think the Mavs were, but then after he had a nice game and then had a really good game against Cleveland, he was the star player. He took him to overtime. Lucas sat out that game for rest purposes and they almost won. They took Cleveland to overtime. Very good team. Kemba had, I don't know, I'm going to guess 32. I think it was right around 30, 32 yep. points. Um, and you're like, oh, man, this is the 15 to 20 minute ball handler we need off the bench. 
But then immediately he's missing games left and right. Like he hasn't played since he played one game since I believe, and his knee was bugging him. And so now they're hoping he can play against the Knicks, but you know, it's 50 50. I know going into the game, if he's going to play and then they're like, well, he'll play the next game, but that's, that's how can you rely on a guy that's that inconsistent with his body, you know? And that's the one thing about Mark Cuban and, and people that are, analytic people or John Daniels, former general manager of the Mavs. I was talking to or the Rangers. I was talking to him the other day and it's all about this health thing in, in sports. We're going to keep guys healthier longer. And this has been going on a long time, but the body, the, the human body, even though we can improve it, it still has its limitations. Once it gets into its thirties, 99% of guys just start breaking down. There are the LeBron Jameses or the Dirk Nowitzki's or Kobe or Tim Duncan come to mind. But for the most part, you end up with Kimball Walkers, Amari Stoudemire's, Anthony Hardaway. Like, there's just so many guys. Derek Rose, and I know he got hurt early in his career, but, man, mm-hmm. right when you hit about 32, 33, the body starts breaking down. And at 35, there's diminishing returns on players. And I know that scientists, analytic people, general managers are trying to move the number to 40 or move the number to everybody plays well till they're 35 because we've sat them out 20 games a year and we've done all this, but still the body breaks down. I'm going to assume Kemba didn't play 82 games every game in Charlotte, uh, you know, and he didn't make long playoff runs. I know that. No. And so it still broke down on him. So as, as much as new technology has tried to help, it's kind of, to me, Jonathan, it frustrates me when I see a guy pitching well in the sixth inning of a big game and like we got to take him out because if 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 we're going to get this contract through five years, we got to take him out right now in the sixth inning. I'm like, you don't know, you don't know if he's going to break down if you throw him 20 more pitches. You don't know if he's going to stay healthy. Like to me, God didn't stop making Nolan Ryan's. Now they're few and far between, but we stopped giving Nolan Ryan a chance to be Nolan Ryan. Oof. That's good. That's. Well, well done, sir. I mean, I just looked it up. Jacob DeGrom, 35 years old in June. So, yeah, throw it's, that it's, it's a, a we could do a whole podcast. I'd love to on the Mets. And I mean, the Mets are our number two team in our household right now because my 14 year old son's favorite player is Francisco Lindor. Just an unbelievable person, unbelievable player. And my 12 year old son who plays first base, his favorite player in baseball is Pete Alonzo. So wow. Two favorite players in baseball are on the Mets, yet they are Ranger fans growing up here and getting to go to all the games. We will we will do a slightly more baseball-centric podcast uh, come summertime. In the meantime, as always, I wish I could look uh, wish you luck. I'm not going to because I don't like to lie to my friends. As long um, as you keep answering my text, I'll be okay. I know <laughs> I text too much basketball questions, but you're, you're one of the people I really respect uh, your basketball knowledge. Uh, I respect all of your knowledge. Mike Vasek, for anyone who may not know, could you just tell the folks at home where they could find you? You can find me on 105.3 The Fan. That is on the Odyssey app, obviously, or if you're kind of in that New York region uh, up there. And then also during the Major League Baseball season, if you ever get the Major League package, I am on the pregame and postgame television-wise uh, for the Texas Rangers, a la the Jacob DeGroms. I'm... T- I don't know how many I'm going to ask. I'm, I just remind me, I'm going to ask Andrew when I talk to him, how many Mets fans or what percentage of Mets fans he thinks will carry their fandom of DeGrom over to the point where they're like, I he's pitching tonight for the Rangers. I want to tune in and I want to see how he does. I don't know if it's going to be that much. I wonder, but I'm, I'm curious. I wonder if they won't root for him, but they're going to watch just to see. That could be. Yeah, for sure. That could be it. That'll be interesting. Now, uh, I, here's how I found out real quick. I was at, is it yeah. called Franklin? Is it Franklin where the skating rink is near, um, near the uh, train station? Not, is it uh, you, in New York? Yeah. In New York. I was in New York when it went down. I was in uh, near the train station. Oh my God. Near, um, near, there's uh, a, there's a, a rink in Rockefeller center by the big tree. Well, your your New York people might know where I'm talking about, but it's a beautiful place. And there was a skating rink there. Kids skated there. It was really close to where we were staying at. Okay. Um, and, oh, maybe Bryant Park. That's probably it. Yes. Yes. There Bryant you. Park. Thank you. And so I hear these uh, couple talking behind me as my uh, my wife and daughter are shopping and me and the boys are walking and they start talking to Grom. And I thought I heard Rangers. And I go, I turn around and say, hey, hey what's this DeGrom thing you're saying? Cause I'm with my family, not on my phone or anything. 
And they're like, yeah, DeGrom just signed with the Rangers. And I was like, oh my God. And my kid, my kids were like, oh, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. We'll see how it works out. So um, I wish you the best of luck for DeGrom that, that I, I always enjoy. And look, the, I'm yeah. rooting for all lefties. So, I mean, the New York Knicks have gone all lefty on me. Almost. Uh, we're, we're getting close. Uh, Mike Bassett, you're the man. Uh, happy holidays again. Appreciate you hopping on on late notice. And we will, of course, talk again soon. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Hope you enjoyed that combo with Mike. Uh, don't forget, if you dig the pod, uh, rate, subscribe, review, the whole thing. And uh, I will see you. We will see you for pregame uh, ahead of the Mavs game uh, tonight. And then also postgame after the Mavs game, which I will be on. And then uh, it's Andrew back in the saddle for Thursday night um, against the San Antonio Spurs and will hopefully be a an easy night, but famous less words. And then uh, we got another pod coming up uh, for you uh, in a couple of days with uh, featuring. I, I don't want to say who it is because I think the last time I said his name, he, we ended up having to change it. Someone, someone good. Someone you're going to like. All right. That's it. Talk to you soon. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.